says is, if you don't set the right angle, you will not meet at that location, right? If I go too shallow, the receiver's behind me and the ball gets caught. If I go too deep, the receiver's in front of me and the ball gets caught. I have to figure out all those things on the fly and set the right angle so that when the ball gets there and the receiver gets there, I'm there as well and I can be able to do what I was set out to do. In Sola September, our series was called The Essentials and we looked at the five solas. Who remembers what they were? Let's yell them out. What did we look at? Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. Praise God. I hope we got that last one. All glory belongs to God. And we focused on that. We canceled all of our services, all of our other meetings, all that stuff that we just announced. We said it doesn't matter if it was scheduled. We're not doing it. We're focusing on the essentials. That was about our foundation. That's about knowing what the church is supposed to be built on. It's about knowing what your life is supposed to be built on and having that foundation, right? Our new series, The Right Angles, is about what God is going to build upon that foundation, in your life as an individual, and then in this body, this church, I think it was powerful. That's why I asked Gary to, to share what he shared with me last night, because when I'm thinking about the church, and I'm thinking about what God is trying to do and what he wants to do, it's predominantly about unity. Understanding, having a foundation, uniting to really look at that for a month, and then now considering these right angles, how we have to set the angle, how we can build upon what God is doing here. So in this first session of our series, we're going to be looking at going vertical. Say going vertical. going vertical. Amen. Going vertical is about you and God. There's a lot of things that have to be done. There's a lot of ways that you can build. But the most important part of building anything upon this foundation is being able to go vertical, to be focused on you and God. This 90-degree angle that they're looking at right here, right? Right angles, and they're both trying to figure it out. What is this? What does it mean? It's about being able to go straight up to the Lord. When you get ready to build on a solid foundation, you need to go vertical. You have to be sure that you set the right angle so that you can be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. If you set the wrong angle, you may be trying to go vertical, but you'll end up like that plane that thought they were going somewhere, and they ended up back in Australia. <laughs> Because they set the wrong angle. They set the wrong coordinates. If you, read, if you listen to the story in the video, it said that he tried to put it in by hand. Tried to put his own coordinates in by hand. And he just missed a single zero. He found himself with all those passengers, not only putting himself at risk, but every passenger that was in that plane trusting him at risk. Right? Because he set the wrong angle. You have to figure out what your destiny is what your purpose is, what God has called you to do and be a part of and you to experience as an individual. You have to do that also for the church, right? You have to figure out what trajectory that the Holy Spirit is on. So the first thing is, just like the example of, of me and this receiver, you've got the receiver, right? You have to figure out first, what is my destiny? Am I just a church member? Am I just here? Am I just going to absorb the word and listen to the word? Or does God say, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have a specific destiny for you. If you believe that, you've got to establish that first. Then you have to figure out, just like the ball is going to be thrown and it's going to land somewhere, you have to figure out what is the trajectory of the Holy Spirit? Where is the Spirit of God? Where is he moving, right? What is the distance? What is his speed? How do I get on the same page with the Holy Spirit? And then you have to set your angle so that you can all meet in one place at one time. When, when your destiny and the Spirit of God and you actually meet in the same place, that's when powerful things begin to happen. 
That's when something is built that is amazing. Why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you for everybody that's here this morning, Lord. We thank you for our friends and family that are not, Lord. We thank you that you have your eye upon everyone, Lord, and that no one is able to be taken out of your hand, Lord. This morning, we desire just to encounter you. We came to worship you. We came to praise you, Lord. We came to seek after you. You say that if we seek you, Lord, that we'll find you. This morning, I pray that everyone would find you individually and that collectively as a church, Lord, we would find direction, Lord. We would figure out where you are, what you're doing, Lord, what your trajectory is, Lord, that we would set our angle, that we would be able to meet you, Lord, that we would find destiny, that we would find purpose, that we would find a joy and a peace that surpasses understanding, Lord, regardless of the things that we encounter along the way and upon the road, Lord God, that we would truly be united in you and you and us, Lord God, that we would have care and compassion for each other, Lord, that we would love you and love your church. This is your bride, God. Just have your way over this word this morning, Lord. Let it be your word, Lord. Let it fall in good soil, Lord, that the seeds be planted and watered and bear fruit, Father. Have your way. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So our scripture that we're going to be looking at, if you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to Judges chapter 6. If you had an app, you would be able to click on it. Go right to it. Praise the Lord. Judges chapter 6. When you get there, say, set the angle. That was a weak angle, man. That receiver would have ran all over you. Praise the Lord. Judges chapter 6. It's taking us a long time. That means we ain't spending enough time in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 6, set the angle. Amen. There you go. I like that, Joe. Joe's ready for some football or something. Set the angle. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 3. <clears throat> And I made you do all that, and then Zach's going to put it up on the screen for you anyway. Judges chapter 6, verse 3 says, So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. <coughs> Excuse me. Stop there, verse 10. So the children of Israel... They tried to build something, but it continued to fall apart and be destroyed by the enemy. It says that they would plant, that they would find wells, that they would have produce. And every time they built something, every time something began to grow, that the enemy would come in and destroy it all or take it all away from them. Many of us have had that experience in our life and in our walk with God. Some of us don't want to build anymore because everything we've built has come crashing down. Everything we invested in, we lost. All the people that we loved in the previous church or in the previous relationships, they're now gone. So we say to ourselves, why do I want to be concerned with unity? 
Why do I want to give myself? I might just go, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to be there maybe physically, but not spiritually. Because we're tired of investing and sowing and watering and then having it taken away from us. God reminds these people of two important things that we need to draw our attention to. First, he reminds them of the strong foundation that he built in their lives, right? They're going through this cycle, going through this cycle. God sends a prophet, a man of God, to speak into their life, to give them direction. And the first thing he does is remind them about the foundation that they're built on. Verse 8 and 9 said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. He says, stop focusing on what's not going right, why things keep falling apart, what's not being built, what's crumbling, and remember your foundation. Remember when you were a slave? Remember when you were in Egypt? Remember when you had no freedom and I came and I delivered you, I saved you, I helped you. I came against all of your enemies, the things that you couldn't do in 400 years, I did. (laughs) Just by speaking my word. We focused on that foundation in in September, but I challenged everybody in the church to stay focused on your foundation. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember where he found you. Check yourself when we have those attitudes and we have those issues and we have those moments. Check yourself and say, you know what, Lord, let me remember who I was and who I am now. Where you found me and where you've brought me to. The second thing God reminds them of in these first few verses is about the problems that they're having. He tells them why they're having those problems. Verse 10, he says, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the Amorites or their gods in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Everybody say, ouch. God says it's not about our enemies. It's about our disobedience. We spend a lot of time focusing on our enemies and who did what and who said what and who's drama and who's hating and all this kind of stuff. God says, it ain't about your enemies. It's about your obedience or your lack of obedience. He's telling them this. Listen, he says, you know what? You set the wrong angle. You're supposed to be going vertical, but you're ending up off to the side somewhere. I didn't bring you out for you to live like this. I didn't bring you out for you to have idol worship. I didn't bring you out and deliver you out of Egypt for you to put me on the sideline and do what you want to do with your freedom. You set the wrong angle. You were supposed to go vertical, but you're going off to the side. That flight that left from Australia was supposed to go to Asia. And you know where the flight landed? Back in Australia. (laughs) That's what happens to you and I as Christians when we set the wrong angle We go places, we do things, we labor, but you know where we end up? Right back where we started. (laughs) Right back where we started. Nothing's grown, nothing's built, nothing lasts. One of the main things when I got saved that I was so excited about, I said, you know what, Lord? I can have things that will last. I can have relationships that will remain. I can have a marriage that will be sustainable, that will still be here after 40 years. Unlike what I experienced in my growing up and everybody else that I know. For God to be able to tell you, you can go in a direction, you can build things that last and they don't have to be taken from you. But you know what you have to do? You have to set the right angle. You have to truly be going vertical. 
The challenge for many of us is we were going um, in a certain direction and we encounter Christ and we begin to think that we're going vertical. We're just not going as far left or right as we used to be. It doesn't mean that we're truly going at a 90 degree straight up and down to the Lord vertical trajectory. A lot of people are happy with just going in a better direction instead of truly going vertical to the Lord. Let's see where the story goes. Judges 6, verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon, say Gideon, Gideon. while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Imagine that kind of life. They've got a He's threshing wheat in the wine press where it doesn't belong just so he doesn't get caught, just so people don't see him and come and take their stuff, having to be guarded, protected, no real freedom after God brought you out of freedom. I'm going to get through this message, I promise, but I can't stand the fact that many of us live that way. God gives us all this freedom and then we put ourselves back in bondage. What's the point of getting saved, getting set free, getting delivered to then find yourself six months later, six years later in just a new form of bondage? So here he is. I bet you his, his ancestors could not believe that they would be in this kind of position after the deliverance that they saw out of Egypt, right? In order to hide it from the Midianites, verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Doesn't the Lord say, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Should we let the, the word be true and man be a liar or, or who's right here? Is Gideon right telling the angel of the Lord that God has forsaken them? Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So the first part about going vertical is hearing from Christ and to know what he wants you to build, right? You have to hear from the Lord and say, what is it that you want me to build? I've got a foundation. I know who you are. I understand salvation. I've given my life to you. You've come and you've saved me. You've forgiven me of my sins. But now I need to know specifically from you, God, what is it that you want me to build on this foundation? How many of you this morning, don't raise your hands, but do you really know what it is that God wants you to build on your foundation of salvation? The angel of the Lord, this is Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, shows up to Gideon and he says to him, I want to build you into a valiant man and a man who will deliver and save Israel from her oppressors. That's what he's supposed to build. That's what he's supposed to become. It's a specific call. It's his destiny. It's his purpose. And he heard it from God. I'm weak. No, you're not. You're a valiant man. That's what I'm building. I can't help anybody. I can barely help myself. No, that's not your destiny. That's not your purpose. What you're going to do is you're going to save Israel from her oppressors. So now Gideon has a blueprint. 
He knows, all right, this is what the Lord says that he wants to do. This is what he says he wants to build. This is how he says my destiny and my purpose is going to unfold. I've got a blueprint. I've got a foundation. Now he's ready to do something. He's got to build something. Verse 18, Gideon says to the Lord, which you didn't read to, but verse 18, Gideon says to the Lord, he says to him, do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. He has a foundation. He encounters Christ. He gives him direction. He tells him what he wants him to become and what he wants him to build or do upon that foundation. The first thing Gideon says is, don't move, Lord. Many of us, if you've ever encountered Christ, you just want to stay in that place. Worship can't go long enough. Messages can't go long enough. I'm not going to preach all day, but the church is never too far. Somebody say amen. amen. I remember when I got saved, I live in South Central, I was driving to La Mirada. Then I moved to Diamond Bar, I drove to La Mirada. Then I moved to Chino, I drove to La Mirada. Why? Because if that's where I encountered Christ, I don't care. I'm going back there. Lord, don't move. I'll come to you. So Gideon says, I pray do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my offering. Going vertical requires us to give what we have to the Lord. He tells them, this is who you're going to be. This is what you're going to build. The very first thing he does when he encounters Christ is stay here. I'm going to come back and give unto you. I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going to make an offering. And it would be interesting if the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, had said, no, don't worry about it, man. It's about what I'm about to do and what I'm about to give you, what I'm about to make you. You know what God says? He says, all right, that's right. I'm going to wait for you. Go ahead. Go do your thing. I'm, I'm glad you thought about that. Make your offering. The same way, right, with Cain and Abel. Nobody had to tell them about tithe and offering. They just knew we need to give back to the Lord. We know where this comes from, right? Listen to the whole of verse 18. Gideon says to the Lord, do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you, bring out my offering, and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. <laughs> Could it be this morning? You guys know me. I don't look at your tithe. I don't look at your offering. Even sometimes when the people that want to come into ministry, I'll begin to look at some of those things, but I don't, I don't focus on that. I just want to bring forth the message, let the Spirit do what he wants to do. But could it be that something is not being built in your life because you don't bring your offering to the Lord? Could it be that there's just an empty foundation? You ever driven by a lot and you see a nice foundation? It's got the stub ups with the electrical coming in already, the water lines, everything's ready, but nothing is being built. All there is is a foundation. That's how many Christians' lives look, but possibly because we don't come and give our offering unto the Lord. Hey, Lord, I appreciate the foundation. I know how you built it. I'm so thankful for grace alone by which I'm saved through faith alone, right? However, I'm not coming to you and giving you anything, so it's just going to be a foundation. In verse 23 and 24, it goes on, and Gideon does something else after he brings his offering. Verse 23 says, Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you, and do not fear, for you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. So not only if you desire to go vertical and you want to build something, not only do you have to come and just give the Lord what you have, you also have to build an altar. There has to be a place. There has to be a cornerstone. There has to be a location where everything begins and where everything will be checked against to make sure it's still going vertical. Let me say that again. 
This altar that Gideon built, he has this encounter. He brings his offering. Then he says, because I've heard from the Lord and he's made me a promise that if I build the way he told me to build, if I go where he told me to go, that I will not perish, that I'll have life and life everlasting, right? He says, so I'm going to build an altar right here on this spot so I know this is where it began. This is the spot. This is the cornerstone. When we get ready to build, when we get ready to go vertical, this is going to be the place that we go up from. And no matter how far I go, no matter how big this building is, I can always look back on that starting point and say, am I in line? Am I truly going vertical? If that spot moves on you, spiritually, you can find yourself thinking you're still going vertical, but you're not because that cornerstone that altar, that place, that Bethel has moved. You need to establish it. Where did God find you? Where is your Bethel? Where is your starting place like Gideon here when he heard from God? Do you remember where it was, when it was, that stamp on that spot? Gideon says, I can always come back to this place. I can always draw a straight line between this place and my destiny. And if I find the spot where I'm at outside of that straight line, then I know I have a problem. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, if the starting spot is this door, Gideon says, I'm building an altar right here. And if God tells him, this is what I want you to build, where I want you to go, what your destiny is, what your purpose is, is over there where the communion table is, that cornerstone, that spot, that altar, what that does for you is as you live your life and you raise your kids and you get married and you do all these things, if you look up one day and you say, this is where I am, Lord, am I in the right spot? Am I going vertical? Am I going the right direction? All you have to do is draw a straight line between the altar and the destiny. And if you're not in that straight line, you got to get right. When I tell you that many of us don't have that altar or that altar moves, we can always say we're in the right spot. Because if that's the destiny and I change the altar over here, then I'm in the right spot today, Lord. If that's the destiny and I happen to be over here with my wife and my kids, I'll say, you know what, I'm just going to make that the altar. I'm in the right spot, Lord, and you're always all good. Gideon says, no, this is where the altar goes. I'll have to get back in line and make sure I'm going vertical. So Judges chapter 6, it goes on, and it says that Gideon, after this, not only did he set up his altar, but he tore down the altars of Baal. The Midianites had altars. He goes, God tells him to do it. He tears down these altars. Many of us have to do the same thing. We had a lot of altars in our life. We had a lot of false idols, right? And you have to tear them down. Don't think that they're just going to float away. Just don't pay attention to them. Tear them down. Break them down, right? Gideon calls on some construction workers, because as he's tearing down these altars, the Midianites are like, no, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? And they're about to come against them. So you know what he does? He says, listen, I got to get some construction workers to help me build what I'm building, to help me make sure that we go in the right angle. And he begins to call all these people in to help him. I pray that all of you have somebody to call in to help you. I pray that you have friends. I pray that you have men and women in the faith who will truly pray for you, who will truly encourage you. This morning, we have Davis and Christine with us. Praise the Lord. They're our friends. Amen. We, when we came into, you've heard me. If you haven't heard me, I want to tell you again. When we came into the city, we went to the very first place. It was a gateway church. There was transition going on. I walk in and, you know, I was nervous. I was scared. We were coming out of the living room. We needed a place to have church. We felt like God was calling us here. And he just embraced me and said, hey, this is going to be a place for you. Connected me with somebody that was going to be there. And then he's remained a friend ever since. Right? Same with Christine. We were able to go out, have dinner, laugh, enjoy each other. 
And for us, that was part of, as far as the city is concerned, there was an altar. There was a place to go and say, hey, this is where it began. We can always look back here, right? So that was the first day in the city. And then the current day in the city, here they are again, right? It's a straight line. So Gideon says, I'm going to call all my friends to help make sure that I can build without it being destroyed. I'm going to call all my friends to make sure that I'm going in the right angle. They can check me, right? There are certain people who are in construction. You have surveyors, right? So you don't just go out there and lay the foundation, do all that. There's somebody that has to actually use this equipment that aligns with, like, the stars and the sea level and all this kind of stuff to make sure that you're really straight. You know that sometimes you're not very good at that, but somebody in your life is? So he calls him. He says, the battle's at hand. Where's my crew? Verse 6, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 34 says this. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He blew the trumpet, and the Abizarites gathered behind him. These are his boys. He sent messengers. That's what it says. I don't know what translation you have. It says his boys. <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. So he sent messengers not only to, to his boys, but to his cousins too. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. They came up to meet him. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Oh, by scripture alone, right? By scripture alone. It's the word of God he stands on. If you're going to do it like you said, look. I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only, and it's dry on the ground all around, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early in the next morning, he squeezed the fleece, he wrung out the dew of the fleece, and a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground, all around, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So Gideon has all this experience. He, he gave his offering. He built the altar. He tore down the other altars. He calls in reinforcements. And then he has this experience with God. He says, you know what? I'm, I'm still... Still got some questions, Lord. I'm going to lay out this jacket. I'm going to lay out this fleece. I'm going to put it out here. And I want it to be wet on the fleece when I wake up. Then I'll know it's you, God. I'll know that you love me. I know that you called me. I know that you told me what I'm supposed to build. Wakes up, it's wet. Brings it out. You know what, Lord? There could have been this crazy storm that only rained in one spot last night on my little fleece. Let's do it in the opposite, Lord. I want it to be dry, wet all over. It wakes up the next morning, and it was so. I wanted to end and close this message this morning about building with the right angles and about going vertical with this last kind of experience that Gideon has with, with God here. I want to remind you that our God understands how difficult it can be for you and I to go all in. You know, sometimes you get convicted because you know you're a little shady. You know, like you're, you, you know you're giving like 80% effort, but you're trying to make it really look like you're giving 100%. And you feel a little guilty. I'm the same way. I'll tell on myself. You don't have to be, you don't have to make confession today. But you can find yourself feeling like, God, it's hard for me. I want to go all in. I know that you've gone all in. And we feel convict convicted as if he doesn't understand that. Believe me, God understands how hard it is for us to truly go all in. Gideon says, look, I'm about to build. 
I'm going vertical. I'm going to do everything that you said, but I want to be sure. I want to be sure that I didn't hear your vision for Raymond, but I heard your vision for Vaughn. I want to be sure that I'm not leading the ministry of Mary. I want to be leading the ministry of Susie. I want to be sure that I'm not raising my kids in the way that somebody else is supposed to raise them. I'm raising them the way that you want me to do it, Lord. That's what Gideon's basically saying. I want to go all in. I want to build. I want to give. I want to go. I want to see that destiny reached. But I have to know because in every other area of my life, I've given a whole bunch and it fell apart. Somebody told me that's the way I should go and that's the company I should work for. Next thing I know, I'm broke and I'm in debt because it was a pyramid scheme. <laughs> right? God understands. This whole story with Gideon, this whole experience that he's having, it's really been about prayer and communing with God. We talk a lot about ministry and church and reach and unity and all these things that we want to do and all the things that we want to see and worship, all this kind of stuff. But realistically, especially in the beginning, you have this foundation, this grace of God. It really has to be about prayer and communion and going vertical. It can be as if nobody else exists. It's just you and the Lord, and you have to engage him. You have to commune with him. You have to speak to him, and you have to listen to him. You need to wait until you hear. Even with the disciples, Jesus gets ready to leave, and what does he say to them? You're about to change the world. Nothing's going to be the same. In 2016, I'm going to have sons and daughters all over the world. But you know what you need to do? You need to just sit down somewhere and wait. <laughs> just sit down. Sit down and wait. Until my spirit comes, until you hear from me, till you get that confirmation, till you know that you have what you need in order to move forward. Communion, waiting on the Lord, prayer, being filled with the spirit. That's what it really means to go vertical. So many of us, we begin to build, we go horizontal, we do all these other things, and we haven't even heard from the Lord yet. And that's why we get frustrated, because then we're, we're trying to fulfill somebody else's vision. I'm trying to help my pastor with his vision trying to help uh, my Bible study leader with their destiny, trying to help my husband with his vision. I'm trying to help my kids grow up to be something special. And none of us are the Lord. We don't know how to do that, and we can't do it eternally like he does. He has a provision for that. He says, I'll give you your own destiny. I'll give you your own purpose. I'll make sure that you know it. I'll make sure that it's without doubt. I'll make the fleece dry, and the next night I'll make the fleece wet, just so you can have that peace. That's why Gideon said earlier, he said, what? The Lord is my peace. I don't have to worry about wasting my time. Set the angle. Bring your offering. Come to the altar, right? And hear from God. Once you've done those things, then you can go all in. You can begin to build. You can take that blueprint and say, you know what? I can, I can now start to put some steel in the ground. I can start to go out and get the materials that I need to accomplish what it is that God has told me to accomplish. But I'd hate us to come out of this, this series that we did about foundation, right, and about the essentials and what's important, and that people just be so excited that they go and they build something, but it's a straw house. And when the enemy comes, he huffs and he puffs and he blows that bad boy down. Jesus says, build on the rock. Hear from him. The same way that he went and he spoke to Gideon, believe me, he will come and he will speak to you. Somebody say amen. 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 Worship team, would you come? <clears throat> Church, would you stand this morning? We're going to service this morning. We're going to be able to, to take a moment and, and receive communion. Have a
moment to, to pray, but I really want to just give an opportunity for, for those of you who are here this morning to just be able to respond. To be able to respond. One of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks that, that really challenged, uh, challenged the Lord is people who are non-responsive. When you hear the Lord speaking or you hear a friend speaking, when you hear a friend in need, when your spouse maybe comes to you and tells you that something's not right and that, that you're maybe not doing something that, that they wish that you would, instead of being defensive, instead of trying to convince them that they don't really feel the way that they feel, what God is looking for is a, a people that would respond. A people that would respond. So the first opportunity to respond, if you're here and maybe you've never really given your life to the Lord. You've come to church, you have a Bible, you even downloaded the app early. 